This week on Excelsior Journeys, it is the season five premiere, and my guest is voiceover artist, teacher, actor, audiobook narrator, Steve Corona. Steve has over 15 years of experience. He is ready to not only share it with you, but also to hopefully inspire you to follow in his footsteps. JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for And that's you, what the I moment? taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills Line of Ariel. On. I've got better things to do tonight than so die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater with and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm six. rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw yeah. some spaghetti yeah. against the wall. See this if is it George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys and welcome to the premiere of season five. So glad you guys could join me. My name is George Soroy and thank you for tuning in for over 120 episodes. And I want to say a big happy new year. We are starting 2022 off in style. And the question of the month that I have for all of you is very simple. What is your new year's resolution? What steps are you going to take to make 2022 the best it can possibly be. So please go to my pod inbox page. You can find the link in the show notes and go ahead and submit your answer. And your answers will be played on the air. This is gonna be a whole lot of fun. It's a new, it's a new addition to the show and I really hope you enjoy it. I hope it uh, creates a much more interactive atmosphere than, it, than the show has had before. That, has been uh, that was one of my new year's resolutions as well to kind of open the show up and really see where it can go another one was to use all the tools that are at my disposal which i turns out i got a lot i just have to actually use them and a big one is to be around inspiring people now this month in january it's going to be one year that i've been on clubhouse and i have met quite a few inspiring people there and a big one was my is my guest for this week because when I looked in in Steve Corona's bio on Clubhouse, one of the things that I noticed after listing the more than fifteen years of experience that he has in acting and voiceover, in audiobook narration, in teaching, the main thing one of the things that uh, that caught my eye was right near the bottom, and that was storytelling, which is exactly how I how I basically label myself with the writing, with the podcasting, with the audiobook narrating, with the voice acting. It's all about storytelling. And I am so thrilled to see a kindred spirit in Steve Corona here. And the kind of experience that the man has had so far has just been absolutely mind-blowing. You've seen him, you've heard him, and now he's here. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Steve Corona. Steve, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm great, George. Thank you so much for having me on. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. This is going to be this is going to be a blast. I'm so thrilled that you're able to make the time to come in and I am just really excited with everything that uh, you have on your bio here. And one of the things that uh, really caught my eye is you've been doing a lot of stuff on both the big screen and the small screen, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here in Albuquerque, New Mexico area, there's a lot of filming going on, and I've been trying to get uh, trying to get in on as much of that as possible. So both, both, yeah, exactly, TV and film, and, and with the Netflix studios popping up here, I've been able to get in on some of those productions as well. Yeah, including uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. What was that experience like? Oh, man, that was so great. I just remember uh, telling myself, okay, don't freak out too much when you go on set, because even though you're a fan, you can't act like it. Yep. Be a pro. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was a big fan of some of his movies, 300 and Batman oh, yeah. versus Superman. <laughs> Growing up with all these 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 comic book kind of uh, films, and, and I was just such a big fan. And he was so cool to work with, so collaborative. I love those kinds of directors where they just let you play. Yeah. He told me, Chelsea and, and me, uh, we were in the scene together toward the beginning of the film. Okay, listen, guys, here's what I need to see. So here's how I'm going to shoot it. What do you guys think? Like, how do you want to play it? And we're like, okay, let's go to work. Let's do this. I've heard so many great things about about Zach. Like a lot of people have their own opinions about what about his films, whether they like him or not. Totally, totally up to them. I mean, that's the beauty of film. It's all subjective. So I personally really, really enjoyed both Batman v Superman and definitely his take on Justice League. I I really dug the Snyder cut. So, and the main thing that I've heard is just like whatever whatever your thoughts are about his films, he's just the nicest guy to work with. So I'm glad to hear that that's true. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so that's so cool. That's that's one of those things that's just like it's very reassuring because uh, there's there's all this talk. There's all all these different people that are gaining like these reputations of being so difficult to work with. And then you're like getting to a point where it's almost like they're they've become poisonous by because of their because of their actions. So I'm glad to hear that Zach's not like that. Oh, no. So cool. And he just had fun. He's like, hey, let's make a zombie movie and let's have fun with it. And everyone was like, "Okay, (laughs) I'm in. That's fantastic. That is so cool. So with that in mind, like everything that you've got going, all these all these years of experience that, uh, that you have under your belt. I always like to refer to the lightning bolt moment in someone's life. It's when they decide that uh, that they are experiencing something, hearing something, meeting someone seeing something and and realizing that's what I want to do. That's the kind of life I want to live. That's the kind of person I want to be. What was that for you with everything that you got going? Oh, man. I mean, ever since I was a kid, there was a really cool atmospheric movie theater near my Mm -hmm. house in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was called the Avalon movie theater. And it was so cool. It was like art deco, exterior and everything. It felt like you were walking back in time, like to the golden age of cinema. And I, every time I walked in, I was, I was teleported. I was transported back mm-hmm. to this really cool moment in, in cinematic history. And so that was cool in and of itself. And just sitting in the theater and, and watching these movies. And what I loved about that theater was, yeah, they had a lot of the current films of the time, but also mm-hmm. they had a lot of classic films that I got to watch on the big screen. You wouldn't have that oh, experience nice. anywhere so like else. A, so, right? it a, so it was like a hybrid kind of thing, like first run in Revival House? Yeah, yeah, totally. And and they nice. would have matinees. So sometimes I would sneak out during the day and, and go watch some and sit in the balcony. It was so cool. So cool. Oh, uh, it's fabulous. So it's just basically just kind of being around that atmosphere. It's just kind of like, that's what I want to do. Like, I want to see myself on the big screen. Is that what the, is that what yeah. the real, the real draw was? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, seeing seeing the big stars up there. I mean, part of it was, I guess, maybe a little bit of that desire for people to know me and to see me on the screen. But mostly it was I remember leaving the movies from anything from like Jurassic Park or Back to the Future or these these uh, epic cinematic Star Wars, Indiana Jones, all these movies I got to see at this theater. Yeah. And I remember just leaving with some kind of like feeling like like it was the emotion overcame me i was like whoa this is so cool and wouldn't it be awesome if i could be on the the screen on the Mm -hmm. other side of this affecting other people in the way that these people are affecting me right now whether that's just to like escape your life for a moment and and to to kind of be teleported into this other world this this new story or just to feel something to to have some kind of like cathartic emotion or or even just to think about something differently and you leave wanting to impact the world in some way. So I wanted to have that effect on an audience too. Oh, that's great. And and it sounds like it it almost sounds like what you had in mind was also kind of inspiring, like you said, inspiring others to to go ahead and follow in your footsteps by them seeing you on the screen. It's almost like what you would eventually wind up doing, which is teaching. Right. Yeah. Kind of passing that torch of this experience. How do we create this experience? How do how do we affect other human beings? And especially these days, the mm-hmm. world needs a lot of that, that kind of emotional uplifting and reminding us all that we're still we're in this together. We're all human. We have these emotions and these experiences and it's OK to express them and, and we don't have to be afraid and, and caged off. But like, let's continue living the human experience. And how can I pass on what I've learned to a new generation that they can do the same. Absolutely. And considering that we're almost two years into this whole pandemic and everything and and how that's changed the the distribution basically of film in in a way that uh, that we never thought would uh, would wind up being be in the case. What is your what are your thoughts about people basically just kind of feeling that same sort of inspiration but on a smaller screen, do you feel like that's they're going to get the same effect or do you feel like it needs to be in a place like a movie theater in order to really kind of feel that pull? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Because I've had the experience of being on both sides of that, I I find myself, I don't know, I, I really, really love that kind of grand scale of working on a, a, a movie, whether it's a Western like The Harder They Fall that I was just in. Mm-hmm. Or or something more more indie. It, it doesn't matter to me, but that kind of experience as an actor is just there's no replacing that. It's just so magical. It brings me back to my childhood of you know seeing those movies on the screen at the Avalon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that that experience is still translated today. Even even now, when I'm going to the movie theater and I'm watching movies, I still have that that kind of childlike excitement. Like oh right. Yeah. I- to the movies experience. And yeah, it's sad that uh, movie theater attendance has declined. And with the pandemic and everything, places have had to be shut down for periods of time. But now I think they're slowly starting to to open back up. So there's no replacing that experience. Like some movies 
need to be seen on the big screen. They were made oh, yeah. for that. like the Spider-Man movie I just saw, right? It's like I still haven't seen it yet. Like I mean, hopefully <laughs> hopefully by the time this this uh, this is live that will be different, but but as of right now, <laughs> as of the day that we're recording this December 29th, I still have not seen the damn movie so really. <laughs> and I've been avo- I've been doing a really good job of avo- avoiding spoilers. So I'm really really hoping that I can keep doing that cuz uh, <laughs> it's it's it sounds like something that just I like you said, I need to see this and I need to see it on the big screen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But as far as the, the, the small screen and especially the really small screen that almost all of us carry in our pocket every day, that's been an interesting thing too. seeing that evolve. When I started this back in 2006, mm-hmm. that wasn't so much the case. I mean, TV shows were still mainly shown on TVs, right? And so it was mm-hmm. kind of like the medium screen. And now it really is shows are being made specifically for the super small screen that is our smartphones or, or yeah. tablets or whatever. And so that's been an interesting thing just kind of observing that uh, watching filmmakers and how they shoot things specifically so that it's it's more visible on a smaller screen so that mm-hmm. kind of storytelling it's still a lot of what we do as as actors it's still all the storytelling stuff it's just on a much smaller more intimate in your face kind of in an environment in which mm-hmm. you're seeing all this unfold so i try to be conscious of that when i'm shooting tv shows like okay you really can't overdo it this is yeah. totally <laughs> anti theater this is not big projecting everything to the back row this is like i'm really Really, really having a, a close and intimate conversation with whoever I'm talking to. And let's pretend there's not a camera right here. So, so they're so they doing weird. like so so for the for the in for the more like indie films, like the smaller films, would you say they're like more tighter close-ups? You know, I think so because if you don't have the budget to allow these massive cinematic backdrops and CGI and everything, you kind of almost have to shoot a lot more close up, but that's fine. That's cool too. Mm-hmm. I think the actors almost prefer that a, a lot of times. At least I do. I, I like getting those, those close up shots where it's like, Oh yeah, that, that is Steve. And it's not like, I think that's <laughs> Steve in that crowd of a million people. I know that. I know that. Well, I know that very well. So when, so when you decided to make this move into entertainment was, uh, was the acting like the first, the first and foremost version that you jumped into? Yeah, so I went to school for theater. I have a I have a master's degree in, in theater performance. And and the only reason I have a master's degree is because I went uh, to get my bachelor's in theater just to get that acting background. And I still oh, yeah. came from this. this I did whole, the same. I yeah, did the same. You know, you know, the like, old I, I, thinking, I, right? I, have, I have my BA in, in theater arts with a concentration in acting. So, yeah, you know, that's that you was. Understand. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. So I wanted that that experience and the the kind of classroom experience. And what I loved about my program was it was very hands on. It was very, OK, here's the theory of how to do the thing. Now let's mm-hmm. get you on your feet and actually do the thing. Yeah. Um, and so I liked that, but I still wasn't quite prepared after my bachelor's. I was like, uh, I feel like I need a little bit more. And just with the timing of everything, my wife was finishing up her degree. She still had two more years. So I was like, well, let me do this master's degree thing for two years and, and hopefully I'll gain the, the know-how and the confidence to actually go out and do this professionally. And nice. I'm thankful for it on one hand. On the other hand, I was like, man, I gained so much more when I actually got into the industry and started just getting on sets as an extra, as a stand-in, mm-hmm. just being there and and learning on the job. 
There's no replacing that. I learned more yeah. probably in like six months of doing that than I did in my two-year program. There's value in everything, right? So, so yeah, I started in theater and I still have a love for theater and I, I do it every now and then whenever I, I can, whenever my schedule allows, if it's a show that I'm really into. But yes, started in theater and then I, I got into the film and TV business because down here in New Mexico, and, and that's a funny thing too. I was going to move to LA and then I thought, yeah, but I could be the goldfish in the ocean or I could be a larger fish in a smaller pond. And I had heard mm-hmm. Mexico's film market was growing a little bit. So I thought, well, maybe at least try it out. And here I still am. <laughs> I tried it out. And I stayed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know exactly what you mean there because I used to live in New York. I spent 17 years in the New York, New Jersey area. And when my wife and I decided to make the move to St. Louis, where her family is, that's that was one of the things that I was thinking about was I feel like I was just lost in the shuffle in, in, uh, in New York. There was really there was nowhere else to go. It's kind of like when you're. When you're standing there on the on the on the bottom of a staircase, and there's the top of a staircase that's right next to you, but there's no way in order to like get up there. The only way to get up there is with the experience, and the only way to get experience is to not be in New York. So you <laughs> got to kind of build up your name and build mm-hmm. up everything that you do, one piece by piece by being not there. And so that was that was something that I learned pretty much the hard way. And it turns out that St. Louis has a wonderful writers community. And I didn't know that until after we made the move. So it was it was a really it was a really great experience getting to getting to know everyone that's around here and getting to see the sort of support system that everyone has. So, yeah, I definitely get what you're coming from when it comes to that. It was just like being a being a smaller place. So that way you can kind of build up your name and reputation as much as you can. And so that way, LA will like, will will take more interest in you because you have the experience to back it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've I've been told many times by my current agent who also represents me in LA. She's like, okay, you've got, you've got a pretty serious resume at this point. Now LA will take you seriously. Right. So Mm -hmm. I keep joking that, all right, this next year, I'm going to be an overnight success, 15 years in the making. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Just around the corner. Oh yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And so having, having done that, having that acting experience, you've also done, you've also gotten into voice acting, you've gotten into podcasting, you've gotten into audiobook narrating. So tell us a little bit about piece by piece, how you got in there. Sure. Well, I think it was about the time to about, yeah, 2006, when we moved down to New Mexico and I started getting into the film industry, started getting out to some auditions there. I've always been interested in many things right mm-hmm. i've always kind of called myself i always hated that that phrase jack of all trades but master, master of, none. of none yeah <laughs> i don't like that because i'm more like a jack of all trades master of some i like to try a lot of things and i'm pretty good at several of them but that doesn't mean that i'm you know the greatest at any one or the other so i don't know i'm, I'm a renaissance man <laughs> nothing wrong with that nothing wrong so, with that at all <laughs> because i was interested in all these different areas i kind of just dove into everything all at once i was like okay there's the film thing i'm going out for as many auditions there as i can there's the mm-hmm. local theater community i'm getting in there not only acting but i'm starting to do some dialect coaching working with the casts helping them with their accent work and i'm, I'm doing this voiceover thing and so i had no idea what i was doing george <laughs> Nice. I just dove in. <laughs> I had a friend, thank God, that I had met on a film set, Eddie, who is a sound engineer. And mm-hmm. I just, I said, hey, man, I really want to get into this voiceover thing. 
Can you help me out? Like, I don't even know where to start, what equipment to get. What do I need to do? And thankfully, super nice guy. He, he gave me his time and we sat down and he helped me put together a package. My, my beginning voiceover studio cost me like, I don't know, 350 bucks or something, nice. uh, which is fairly cheap for yeah. decent equipment. And I, I dove in, I got onto the pay to play sites and within, I think about three months of just, I was auditioning, 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 trying to learn. And that's the key part is I yeah. always try to be open and honest and humble enough to accept the fact that I don't know everything. And mm -hmm. every opportunity that I audition is an opportunity to learn and to grow mm -hmm. and to be better next time. So I tried to keep that in mind and listen, three months, it feels like forever. And there was times when I was like, Oh, I'm just going to stop. I'm not getting any traction. And then right. finally it was so funny. Cause I just put up a sample. It wasn't even auditioning for a project. And I thought, okay, I need more samples on my profile. So I did a re little recording. I thought, what's a book on the shelf that everybody has? So I grabbed the Bible and I just nice. it up and started reading <laughs> from the beginning. And yeah. it was like a short two minute sample or something, maybe even less. And I just posted it. It's just me reading, um, just trying to engage an audience. And then all out of the blue, this publisher contacts me. And yeah. I think they were out of Austin, Texas. And they had this boutique audiobook publishing company. And she said, hey, we love that sample that you read from the Bible. Nice. We like your, your tone of voice and your delivery and everything. Would you be interested in doing some abridged classic uh, titles? Of Whoa. course. I was like, yeah, yes, of course. So nice. I, I think about 10 or 12 with them and that kind of ran its course, but that got me interested in audiobook narration right off the bat. That was one of my first paid voiceover gigs yeah. um, was the audiobook narration. So I thought, okay, that's interesting. And I started thinking, why, why, why do I so naturally lean towards this? I've always loved reading out loud. Yeah. So it made sense to me. I'm like, I love reading mm -hmm. stories out loud and I'm a theater actor. So I want to read to an audience, not mm -hmm. just to myself quietly. Right. So that always made sense to me anyway. Yeah. So I did that. I, I got to be involved with some cool animated projects. I did this one. It was a golf animated golf film for kids teaching mm -hmm. them how to golf. Oh, fun. Yeah. And I was like 12 or 14 characters, different golf balls and golf clubs in the bag and all talking to each other. <laughs> I felt very schizophrenic in the booth. Um, so trying to keep up with, with all the different voices as you're yeah. doing it. Yeah. So yeah. 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 <laughs> so a lot of it was through the pay to play sites. A lot of it was kind of word of mouth locally. I got to, to narrate a documentary about MMA, mixed martial Whoa. arts. Yeah, which Sweet. is totally cool because I'm not in that world at all. Yeah, but because of this person knew this person who was the director of this film, and he was last minute scrambling for a narrator. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like the week of <laughs> of the release, <laughs> and you still haven't even wow. recorded the narration. So he had me come, and we cranked it out in like two days. He mm -hmm. did the edit, and then I got to go to the premiere, which was cool, and meet all these these fighters that that I, oh, I had that's seen cool. in, in the movie as I'm narrating, and I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." It's yeah. Amazing guys in real life so stuff like that it's like word of mouth this person knows that person so it's so important to continue to build my network and the people i know it's like they always say mm -hmm. right it's who you know exactly exactly and for those uh, for those uh listeners who aren't as in tune with uh, with the voiceover world pay to play sites it's a very interesting <laughs> uh setup with that because basically 
It's it's exactly what what it's what it sounds like. You put down you put down your monthly fee and you have access to all these different places where you can audition. And you're basically just churning out one audition after another because they have about 90 to 100 auditions to listen to. So it's very easy to get lost in that shuffle. So did you get some success from those or was it just a matter of using that to kind of build up your audition repertoire? Yeah, I always say that that the pay-to-play sites are really good paid audition practice because mm-hmm. that's true. If nothing else, you get that out out of that experience, mm-hmm. and it's great. You're right. You could. I, I get still. I'm looking at my inbox, and I've got 20 auditions j- that were just sent today. Yeah. I'm not auditioning for all of them. It's just like your profile matches this particular job, and so we we're offering it up to you to audition for it. Yeah. So it's really good audition practice to to hone those skills. And like I said earlier. If you're being honest with yourself and you're listening and you're trying to learn something and grow and make every audition better, it can really, really help you to kind of move yourself forward to that level where you're ready to finally be booked, right? But yes, I have booked some work off of those, some explainer videos, e-learning stuff, audiobooks. <laughs> there you go. Uh, tends to be most of the of the work that I've gotten. A couple smaller commercial spots, but yeah, so that's kind of led to to the realization of, okay, this is good and I can get some work here. Mm-hmm. What else can I do beyond this, right? Yeah. And so then I started really leaning into the whole networking. I'm like, I love talking to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to get to know people. I'm going to meet people. Like yeah. you mentioned earlier, Clubhouse, you and I met there. Yep. I've met so many cool people there and just all these other social platforms. Clubhouse seems to be my... my uh, my go-to because it's it's like it's a speaking my language. Yes, um, it's speaking. That's yeah. That's what it, it really sense. comes down to. There's you can you can fit in as much as you as much as you can on Twitter, but at the at the end of the day, being able to actually communicate with with other people, that's such a that's such a key aspect of of that of that site success. And I'm glad, I'm so glad that I, that the, my friend KM Robinson sent me that invite. I am forever indebted to her for, for opening so many doors just by letting me, letting me uh, come in and have some fun. So yeah, it's, it's something that I hold in very high regard. I love this. I love this app. Absolutely. Can't, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Just hosting the rooms myself has been a great experience. It's kind of like being a podcast host, right? In yeah. a way, <laughs> you get to propose questions, interview <clears throat> guests, open it up for discussion. It's really, really cool. I, I really like that. And then I love popping into other rooms where I'm the guest and I get to come up and share my thoughts. It's really, really cool. And meeting yeah. a lot of people. I've met authors, speaking of writing, authors on, on the platform. I've gotten into author rooms where they've, they've asked me questions. I've been interviewed a few times in those rooms as an audiobook narrator, um, just giving information like, okay, you don't know because you've never done this. Let me share my experience. This is what to expect on, mm-hmm. on your end and, and working with an audiobook narrator. What does that look like? And so they've been very grateful for that. And I've met some uh, authors who now want me to narrate their books. So great. They, yeah. There you go. And, and, and yeah, there are a lot of authors that, that are out there that are, that are willing to actually put up the money for it and not just, not just rely on the royalty sharing um, elements, which they do help. They do very much help for people that are really kind of up and coming into that field. But at some point you got to take a step back from that and just say like, okay, I, I could I could really use some payment now. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> exactly. so 
So, so with that, so having done all that, like all, all the voicings and everything that you were doing regarding voiceover, regarding animation, which is awesome, regarding audiobook narrating, then then podcasting came into play, correct? Yeah. So it's interesting. My my business partner Michelle Campbell and I we we co-own a business. It's called Southwest Voices. It's an mm-hmm. online voiceover training company, yes. and we launched that in 2020. And from the very inception, we thought. We got to have a podcast that goes along with this. It just makes sense, right? Ah, okay. Well, guess what? We still haven't launched it yet, but we've recorded some episodes. We're working on it, George. I'm going to follow oh, nice. your lead. <laughs> I'm going to learn nice. from the best here, <laughs> and we will get that launched in 2022. That's a promise. Oh, uh, that's I've, great. I've been interviewed on a lot of other shows, too. Yours mm-hmm. included. So, yeah, it's been There great. you go. There you go. And so, so yeah, I'm definitely holding you to that to, <laughs> so, to make sure that that happens, because based on, based on everything you've done, Tell us a little bit about Southwest Voices, because like that sounds like a real a real great way that you're that you're already giving back to the community. Yeah. So it was 2020, right? The world mm-hmm. got flipped upside down. Yeah. My friend Michelle and I, we actually met on a TV series uh, for Netflix called Daybreak, where oh, we nice. got to play zombies that in zombie movies, usually it's just growling. But mm-hmm. in this one, it was really an interesting take on the whole zombie genre. Um just a spoiler alert, mm-hmm. the adults all got turned into zombies and the kids didn't. And the adults, they had like burned into their brain the last thing that they said or like the last thought they said before mm-hmm. they got zombified. And so I'm going to get solar panels, but I'm going to wait until the price drops. Right. And so like, <laughs> I would just keep repeating. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. And then, then I go eat a kid. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> it was nuts it was nuts i got to meet matthew broderick on that show so that was oh cool. nice nice uh, yeah he was one of the stars but anyway so michelle and i met there and we, we started talking oh yeah it turns out we both have a decade plus of, of voiceover experience each and in different areas right hers was more animation commercial mine was more audiobook mm-hmm. accent type stuff I'm, I'm definitely very much a character actor and so we, we had that initial discussion and then it kind of how, how initial discussions happen. Like you yeah. get kind of interested and then sort of life happens and then you come back to it later. And, hey, you remember that conversation we had? And so each of us had taught at other places. And finally, we thought, what? Why don't we just start our own thing? Like yeah. we, we work really well together already. We're kind of on the same wavelength of what we want to offer. And so we thought, OK, it's 2020. Theaters are being shut down. Live live shows. A lot of filming was shut down or at least mm-hmm. postponed. So we thought, okay, we're seeing this, this massive influx of actors who had never done voiceover before and yeah. wanted to learn how. And so we thought, okay, here's our opportunity to help those actors. So we really started Southwest Voices. And, and again, the name is because we're located in the Southwest here in the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. So we mm-hmm. thought, I don't know, it's kind of fitting. Um, we started it with the intention of helping new voice actors or actors who just had never done this before to learn the skills of, of how to actually even pursue voiceover. Cause it's yeah. such a, it's such a weird thing in and of itself. It's this kind of secret industry that unless you're in it or someone who is, it, there's a lot to learn. Um, mm-hmm. So we thought we would do that as a way of, of helping these actors to still use their acting skills and to, to have that creative satisfaction of acting just not in the media that they were used to because they couldn't have live audiences and like on film sets, it's something you can do from home. So mm-hmm. that's why yeah. we launched it. 
Yeah. And it sounds like what you what you had in mind, the main mantra, it sounds like, is the thing that's going to be, I hope, driving a lot of people in 2022. Start your own thing. Just the fact that you said that you said that that is something that I really, really hope a lot of people here can, can take and run with. So if that person is what looking to kind of chase their own passion and their passion just happens to be either voiceover or acting or animation or audiobook narrating or whatever, other than jumping in and taking a class, what do you think is the first thing that they should do in order to kind of make that dream that much closer to a reality? Well, I mean, it sounds maybe too simple, but I always tell Anybody who asks me these questions before they even take my, my classes, like, oh, where should I start? Mm -hmm. uh, of course, we have a resources page. We direct them to a lot of other really good uh, people who have been doing it longer than, than we have. So there's that. Look everywhere. Scour the Internet. But also just pay attention to what it is that you want to get into. If you mm -hmm. want to get into movies, watch a lot of movies. See how they do what they're doing. If you want to get into animated shows, watch and listen and pay attention to what kind of voices fit specific kinds of shows or specific kinds of networks or that, that hit target audiences, different demographics that are watching these adult animated shows versus little kid animated shows. Obviously, very big difference in, oh, yeah. in the types of characters that are in those shows. So really just immerse yourself in whatever it is you want to get into. Pay attention. Commercials. Watch and listen to a lot of commercials uh, if that's what you want to do, right? So whatever it is you want to do, audiobooks, go listen yeah. to a bunch. See what makes the ones that are being produced and being praised and winning awards, what makes them so good? And then steal from those. I always say people are like, well, what's your acting method or your technique? You're like, do you subscribe to the method or do you follow this teacher or that school? And I say my my the corona method is is really I, I call it like the puzzle method it's like I've, I've gotten pieces from here and there and i'm putting yeah. together my own method that works for me because in some cases i'm gonna steal from this actor that i love or this school that i learned from or because not there is no such thing as like a one size fits all you cannot use at least from my experience, one singular method of acting for every situation, especially when you're interested in as many avenues as I am, theater, right. film, TV, voiceover, audiobooks, like they all kind of require something a little bit different. So learn from everywhere, use what works for you. That's what I say. Excellent. Excellent. And with that in mind, like everything that you've got going with film, with television, with voiceover, with animation, with teaching and everything, this is going to be the good version of the coronavirus that will hopefully spread around. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> so where, where can, other than Clubhouse, where can my listeners find you on social media? I'm trying to be on Twitter more, so you can find me there. Just uh, I think it's the same handle, the the Steve Corona, mm -hmm. as it is on Instagram. So you can follow me there too. I'm not as active on Instagram, but I'm trying to lean more into Twitter, and I'm on Clubhouse every week, mm -hmm. <laughs> almost daily. And those are probably the best places to find me. But yeah, and then just check out SouthwestVoices.com. Excellent. Excellent. I cannot think of a better way to start off 2022 than talking with Steve and getting that real big piece of advice that, uh, that he has for everyone, which is start your own thing. Get this year started on the best possible in the best possible way. And please go ahead and 
click on the pod inbox link in the show notes. So that way you can let us know what is your New Year's resolution? What is the step that you are going to take to make your passions a reality? And so for Steve Corona, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.